You know, today is a lot different than the day that my kids grew up in. It is totally different, and I know that the days I grew up in was totally different than my parents' day, and we can go on and on and on. But I don't know if you've noticed this new thing with this generation is that um, we have these things that come out because you have people on social media that promotes these things. You remember a couple years back, there was a fidget spinner. Remember that? A fidget spinner. All these kids are walking around because they're saying, I need to fidget to be able to concentrate. Now, today, because you have social media influencer, influencers, you have something that's a stress reliever. I don't know why six-year-olds six year need a stress reliever, but it's like these little poppets, right? Now, this is the thing that, that, that really shocks me about this generation. Now, the people that are watching this, they're watching kids play. And while kids are playing, they're just sitting home and watching. So you have people, the people that are making the money are outside playing and doing things. They're making money, and kids are watching a screen, watching them play. Isn't that bizarre? I'm like, hey, you know, it might be a lot more fun if you actually just go outside and do what they're doing, right? And, and it's, it's kind of crazy, but I started to think about it, and I thought, you know, nothing's really changed, really. Nothing's really changed, really, because there was a sitcom that was on TV. It was one of the longest-ran sitcoms, Friends, right? Friends was like one of the most popu popular shows in the 90s. Just to give you an idea, uh, on a Thursday night, 25 million people would view Friends. 25 million. Do you know, you know how many people view the Super Bowl? 5 million. Just to give you an idea, 25 million people viewed friends why is it why was it so popular yeah you had these different dynamics but we all admire people that are close in friendship we all long to have real friendships and I thought this generation is not that much different because I know a lot of people that would much rather be entertained seeing other people build friendships than they actually invest in friendships themselves. And so we have this thing where we, we, uh, we admire friendships, but sometimes friendships can be difficult, or healthy friendships can be difficult to really produce. And I want to talk about that today because I really believe that there is a secret to building friendships. And we have a great example in the Bible of four friends that helped another friend. Can we read about that? This is an example of great friendships. Luke 5, 17. This is in the Passion Translation. One day, many Jewish leaders known as Pharisees, along with many religious scholars, came from every village in Galilee throughout Judea and even from Jerusalem to hear Jesus teach. And the power of the Lord surged through him to instantly heal the sick. Some men came to Jesus carrying a paralytic man on a stretcher. They attempted to bring him in past the crowd to set him down in front of Jesus. But because there were so many people crowding around the door, they had no way to bring him inside. So they crawled to the roof. They crawled on the roof. 
they dug their way through the roof tiles. How many of you would be ticked if that was your roof? They dug their way through the roof tiles, and they lowered the man on the stretcher, and all into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus, seeing this demonstration of their faith, their faith, say their faith. Jesus said to the paralytic man, he said, friend, my friend, your sins are forgiven. Think about this. Here's a guy. He's paralyzed. He has four friends on each corner carrying him, selfish, like selflessly carrying him to Jesus, found a way to get over the crowd, get on the roof, go into the house, and the guy had a breakthrough, he got healing, he got set free, and he ultimately became a friend of Jesus. How many of you want some friends like that in your corner? Let me ask you today, who is in your corner? Because it is true, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who is in your corner? Did you know a boxer, all the great boxers in the world, those that are great, they always have the right people in their corner. Why? Because people in their corner can help them, encourage them, sharpen them, show them places that they cannot see, show them blind spots so that they can win. How many of you know that we need to win in life? And it's important who is in our corner. And I want to give you this today. In the next 25 minutes, I want to give you four truths about friendship. Four truths about friendship. Number one, friendships are vital for your relationship with God. You say, well, I'm going to do this thing alone. I've tried that when I first gave my life to God, and it did not work out. I found myself slipping away. How many of you know that the cross is not just vertical, it's not just us and God, but it's also horizontal. horizontal. It's about us and others. And God puts us in relationship with others to further our relationship with God. Now, I find this scripture very interesting because we know that salvation only comes from God and we know that God heals but do you believe that God heals and restores through our relationships James 5 16 therefore confess your sins to one another your false steps your offenses and pray for one another that you may be healed and that you may be healed and the heartfelt and persistent prayer of the righteous man is able to accomplish much. So God is able to set us free. God is able to personally heal us. But how many of you know he will put us in relationships to restore us and make us whole? That's why God, he said, I am going to begin to build a family. He illustrated it as a building. He said, I'm going to build a house and I am the cornerstone, I'm the one that gives the standard, and I'm the one that's laying the foundation, and I'm gonna begin to build my house, and this has to do with relationships in our life. The Bible says this in Proverbs, that like iron sharpens iron, so a friend will sharpen a friend. 
I want friends that are sharp, not dull. And so the Bible says that we're able to sharpen each other. Ecclesiastes says this, 4-9, let's read it. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be in trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back-to-back. I want some back-to-back friends and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Anybody in here, you ever watch, like, Animal Planet? Anybody? Animal Planet? Um... I like watching Animal Planet. I, I like watching, you know, just how God creates things. But, but I have noticed something. When we watch, like, a predator and a prey, right, um, we watch a lion and he's going after a bunch of gazelles. Is he going after the one that's in the middle of the pack? No. He's going after the one that's way far away from the pack it's those that want to isolate themselves that find themselves in trouble I believe that social distancing is a very bad term you know because we during the pandemic we have found that um, depression loneliness rose 300% and the enemy would love for you to get isolated so that you won't have a support system and the enemy wants to attack those that are far away. I want to encourage you, those that deal with depression, don't do life alone. Those that deal with depression, that feeling of isolation, now it's good to spend alone time, that's fine, but that feeling of withdrawal is an indicator that you need relationships in your life. If anybody, um, any guys here, any guys here, anybody just like to build fires? Anybody in here? Yeah, me too. I, I love building fires. And the secret to building a fire is keeping all the coals together. If you keep the coals together, the fire's going to continue to burn. But what you will realize, the coal that is alone will burn out very soon. How many of you want to keep your fire alive? How many of you next year want to be more on fire for God next year than you are right now? That means that we need to come together. Look at your neighbor and say, we need to come together. Now, it is true that it is safe and and vital for us to be in relationships, to keep us accountable, to challenge one another, right? Listen, we all know if you go to the gym by yourself, you're going to do a good job. But if you have somebody there pushing you, you're going to be a lot more sore the next morning. Accountability, when you don't feel like going and somebody's calling you like, hey, bro, let's get to the gym. You're like, oh, dang, all right. How many of you know accountability is good? Relationships are vital for our relationship with God. We think that it's vital in every other aspect in life except for our relationship with God and our relationship with God is the most important thing that we're doing on this earth number two friendships require maintenance how many of you know that's true 
Friendships require maintenance. How many of you know if you don't do maintenance on your car, that thing's going to blow up? If you don't do maintenance with your friendships, that thing is going to blow up. If you don't do maintenance with your yard, with which this rain has been crazy, you don't know when to cut your grass. How many of you know your grass can get tall, weeds can grow really fast if you don't maintain it? And it's the same in our relationships. You have to maintain relationships for it to be healthy. So how do we maintain healthy relationships? We have to determine some things. And I want to walk you through this process. We have to determine some things. Do you want to walk through this process and what we need to determine in order that we have healthy relationships? Let's look at some things here. We have to determine this. We have to determine our level of commitment with different relationships. We have to define our relationships. In other words, Jesus, look at Jesus' life. He was the best at relationships. He was the best leader that ever walked the face of the earth. He created relationships that changed the world. Jesus loved the crowd. As a matter of fact, Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Now, this is going to mess up people that really want to just be in their Christian bubble. But I'm here to tell you, God has empowered you not to just be in a Christian bubble, but to get out of it and be a light in a dark world. And so Jesus was known to be a friend of sinners. Didn't have the same sexual orientation as him. Didn't have the same beliefs as him. Was doing the opposite as him. And sinners loved Jesus. You know who didn't love Jesus? The Pharisees. The religious people. See, religious people love to judge people that aren't serving God, but when you really have gotten changed by God, you know that you're no better than anybody that's out in darkness. Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. You know if it weren't for grace, where would I be? So we don't point fingers, we love on people. People were attracted to Jesus because he made it a point. He made it a point. He didn't just wait for things to happen. He made it a point to go out and seek and save those that are lost. Let me ask you, do we make it a point to seek after those that aren't like us? Because we have to begin to name our relationships. It's very important. Jesus had the crowd, but he also had a community. This is like a church. This is like a dream team. He actually had 72 people before he died, that he really, like, this was, like, he did outreach with these guys. He did life with these guys. And it was 120 in the upper room after that he died, but this is called the community. You have to define, what is the crowd, what is the community in my life? Then Jesus had a core. Look, look at your neighbor and say, a core is vital. Everybody, said, everybody tells you in, uh, when you are exercising, your core is the most important place because it's what keeps everything together and it causes you to not get in out of alignment. Jesus had a core and he had 12 people that he didn't just associate with. It wasn't just acquaintances. He had a core of 12 people that he said, this is who I'm doing life with. Let me ask you, who is your core? Your core is important because your core is really, it is going to begin 
to change the trajectory of your life. But Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't just have a core. He had some close, the closest. Think about this for a second. Just think about this. Tim, tell Caleb, think about this. Think about this for a second. Think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, the author and finisher of our faith, the A to the Z, Jesus, God in flesh, before he goes to the cross, he gets three of his closest guys where he is vulnerable and says, guys, I need you to be with me. I am in anguish. If Jesus, God, needed somebody to be transparent with, needed to be vulnerable with, needed to let them know where he was, how much more is it vital for our lives to have real relationship, close people that we can just open up and be real with? Let me ask you, who's your closest? Who's your closest? Now, you got to know that sometimes when you invest in relationships, things will change. People that were just in the crowd in your life might become the closest people in your life if you maintain it, right? Some people, you know, friends come and go, but when you ma maintain relationships right and you make it intentional, God will begin to grow. God will begin to form your relationship. That's why it's so important that we determine boundaries. How many of you know that boundaries are important? Boundaries are so important. 1 Corinthians 15 says, don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. This is the Bible. This is not Evan translation. This is the Bible. Bad company corrupts good character. So the antithesis is this, that good company will build good character. Let me ask you, are the people that you're spending the most time with, do they have the character that's going to build you? Proverbs says, walk with the wise and be wise. Walk with fools and become a fool. We all heard, you know, a bird of a feather flock together. We've all heard that. It is true. Look at your closest friends, and that's the direction that you're going. 2 Corinthians 6.14 it says this, it says, so by the way, by the way, I think this is hilarious. You know, this, the Bible is very clear. We make it complicated. For example, there are wisdom in the multitude of counselors, right? Um, hang out with the wise, you're going to be wise. How many of you know we don't need to ask financial advice with those that are broke or in debt up to their eyeballs? I, ha I saw somebody in the gym. This guy was in shape working out. And then they had a guy that was very out of shape trying to tell him what to do. And I was like, something's not right here. No, no, no. We get wisdom with people that are further than we are. And the Bible says this, and this is very difficult for some people, but when we define it and get balance in our life, I pray that it helps you. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with law lawlessness? This does not mean not hanging out and loving on your friends. That's not what this means. This means unequally yoked. Tim, come up here really quick. Now, if we understand what a yoke is, back in the day, they would have a yoke on an oxen. So there would be a yoke, which is literally a cross right here. And they would, there would be a stronger and weaker oxen, 
and they, would be a, they were determined to go in the same direction. The Bible is sa saying, be careful, make boundaries with who you have a relationship with because you will go into the direction that you're yoked up with, doing life with, saying, I'm going doing the same things that you're doing. You will go in the same direction because you are yoked up with somebody. How many of you know just because you love on friends that are lost does not mean that you have to do everything that they do? And I want to encourage you, some of you in here, you might not be in a place to hang out with people that always cause you to trip up. When I first gave my life to God, I had to have a separation period. I'm not saying this is for everybody, but let me, let, let, the writing's on the wall. Every time you're hanging out with that person, if you keep falling, it might be telling you something. Every time you hang out with that person, you're feeling guilty, you're feeling like you're tripping up. Are they making you closer to God or further away? Let me, let me encourage you, when we're hanging out with the lost, we're here to lead, not to be led. And so if you're not strong enough to do that, find a friend that keeps you accountable and hang out. Don't be religious. Love on them. Don't correct them for everything. You remember what it was like to be lost. Be a friend of sinners, but it does not mean that you go in the same direction as they're going. God's called you to be a light of the world. And so it's important that we invest wisely in our relationships. There are priorities. How many of you know if everything's important, nothing's important? So that's why we have to make priorities. Number one priority relationship friend for me is God, right? It's the same for you. And then it's me. You say, well, that's selfish. Now, the Bible says to love your neighbors as your, so I can't really love my neighbor unless I'm love, I love myself. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to love yourself. <laughs> you need to love who you are. So me and then, and then my marriage. My marriage. My marriage is even before my kids because my kids need to see a good marriage. What is it if I just focus on my kids, but they never see a good marriage? In 18 years, they're going to be out the house, and it's going to be me and her. It's important that marriage and then your family. Then your family. And then listen to this. Then your core. Who's your core? Who are you closest to? Who are mentors in your life? Who are friends in your life that sharpen you? Who are people in your life that you say, man, these are the people like Jesus, Jesus, they did life with. Who is your core? Then, listen, then your core, your closest, then your community. Community. People that you're doing life with. That's like a church. Then, then the crowd. Then your city. Be intentional. Be intentional with loving those that are not like you. And we have to determine, this is how we determine how to make these priorities. Are y'all with me? Determine this. Is this relationship healthy or toxic for me? You will learn how to prioritize your relationships by knowing if the relationship is healthy or toxic. For example, if you're in a relationship that is manipulative and toxic, I want to encourage you to get out of it. When everything is good for them and nothing's good for you, somebody that plays on your emotions and controlling, somebody that steamrolls and wants to think for you, don't let anybody else think for you. When somebody starts to invade your thinking space and you, you're not able to 
stop and say, these are my opinions, right? And I'm, I'm working on having all of my opinions through the word of God. That is a relationship that is toxic, and I want to encourage you to get out of it. If you're in a relationship where you can't be yourself, chances are it's manipulative. It got quiet in here. <laughs> Lighten up. Uh, abusive. Abusive. Listen, there are some toxic relationships that we have to get out of. If they're abusive with words and physically abusive, that is not love. And abusive relationships, like everything has to go their way, right? Everything, it's not constructive criticism, it's critical. It's abusive. It's not believing the best in you. It's putting you down, so it's elevating them. It's insecurity. How many of you know that abusive relationships, you got to get out of it? It's not healthy. It's not toxic. And right now, if you're thinking about, wow, that really sounds like my spouse. This does not apply to you. You married that person. You have to walk through those things. And there are certain guidelines to that, but we're talking about friendships today. How many of you know that those that are unhealthy, they can be very needy? <laughs> How many of you know that needy relationships are unhealthy? Like, you didn't call them back, so now they're mad, and you have to work, you have to live for their, like, beck and call, right? Every time you go out to lunch, they just so happen forget, forgot their wallet. Like, it's a miracle. You forget your wallet every time we go out to eat. It might be a toxic relationship more like a leech than actually someone that is actually a two-way street you might want to let it go but how come we don't let go of bad relationships why do we not let go of bad relationships this is the main reason we do not let go of bad relationships we are scared to be alone we believe if we let go a toxic relationship that we will be alone and God will not set us up for a new one. And so people will find themselves manipulated, abused. It's like a crab's in the bucket. You try to, you try to succeed and somebody's yanking you down. How many of you know we need boundaries? We need to see what's toxic and what's healthy. Because that in your life will hinder you in your life. And I want to encourage you today. You might be in a lonely place. You might say, I don't have any relationships right now. Let me encourage you today. God will always bring you into a separation period because he wants to be your friend right now. He wants to develop a friendship in you right now, and you might be feeling lonely, and I guarantee you, when you begin to be a friend with God, he will produce friends around you and healthy friendship. You might be single right now and wanting to be in a relationship so bad, that's all you want. Paul says, hey, appreciate the time that you're single right now because you can actually be devoted to God fully and when you get married, you have other obligations. So I wanna encourage you, don't try to uh, skip God's timing. He's got the best person and the best timing. And God, when we begin to have a friend with him, he builds healthy relationships around us and then seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things are added to you how many of you know that you can bring God's word to the bank 
You can bring it to the bank because it's true and it's real. A great example of this is David. You know, I love David because this guy was not a wimp. He was not a wuss. This was a man's man. He's dropping down Goliath. Everybody in the camp is scared. The guy says, I don't have a sword, but I got a slingshot and a rock, and you're about to die. That's like the kind of movies I want to watch, like Gladiator or something like, like this is like a man's man, but yet he had friendships in his life that were covenants in his life where he was vulnerable and open. It might just be a secret to your boldness. Jonathan in his life, it said that Jonathan and David loved each other. They were vulnerable with each other. They had covenant with each other. And he knew how to develop a healthy relationship. And Jonathan actually helped him skip a lot of problems in his life. But David also had unhealthy relationships in his life. God elevated David and David started working with the king and the king was great one minute and the next minute he's not. I want to encourage you to get into some stable relationships. Stable people. God brought David in this place and Saul started to get jealous of David and started to throw spears at David. And David uh, said, check, that's toxic. The Bible says that David fled, but he did it in a healthy way. And this is what I want to bring home to you today. He did it in a way where he was able to forgive, and he got out of the relationship and still honored the person. He was able to forgive and get out of the relationship and still honor the person to the point when somebody would speak bad about this person, he would say, don't do that in my presence. Because he understood that his strength came from good relationships and keeping honor and forgiveness in his life so that he can go forward and get stronger and get better. And eventually, God developed him to where he became king of Israel. How many of you know that relationships are important? (laughs) We also need to know that relationships that are different are not bad. So just because you feel uncomfortable a little bit, just because somebody doesn't look like you or talk like you, let me encourage you. If all your circle looks just like you, you need to find a bigger circle. Because the people that look like you, talk like you, they don't see your blind spots. The people that don't look like you and talk like you, they see your blind spots and you see theirs. It's important that we know that people that are different than us will actually sharpen us. Don't run away from people that challenge you. People will challenge you. There are people in this room that are better at things than I am. That's why I'm very close to them because I know that I have a strength, you have a strength, and that's how the body of Christ comes together and get things done. Let, 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 me, let me encourage you, and this might rub somebody the wrong way, and I'm sorry in advance, not sorry. <laughs> it's okay to disagree with somebody. Sometimes it's okay to agree to disagree. 
I am appalled at cancel culture. I'm glad that God didn't cancel me when I didn't live up to what he wanted me to. So as Christians, we shouldn't be like, oh, we cancel. I don't want to have to listen. Well, he's Republican and he's Democrat. Or he's Catholic and he's Baptist. He's red, yellow, black, and white. Hey, God, God doesn't want us to capitalize on the small things. I'm saints. They're for the cowboys. I got to work on that one. But God makes different people with different parts to come together and actually function. The Bible says it very easy. Wouldn't it be weird, because we have all these parts on our body, wouldn't it be weird if my body was one big eye? I, that would be weird. I couldn't accomplish much. I would see a lot. <laughs> but I'm not going to accomplish much. You got to have the thumb and the finger and the small, everything. And the Bible says, listen, have you ever hurt your uh, small toe? You can't walk straight. The Bible says those parts that you think are the most insignificant are actually the most significant. And God doesn't want you to be around people that just are only like you. He wants you to get around people that sharpen you. I want to encourage you to find a church community that you're faithful to. <laughs> my wife always says this. Every time there's a, somebody's trying to look for a spouse, she always says, there's a lid for every pot. <laughs> How many of you know there's a church for you? There's a church for you. God wants you to be a part of a team. God wants you to be a part of a tribe. God wants you to be planted in a place because that is where you're effective. You cannot be effective if you're committing to five different things. God wants you to be committed to a community where you feel peace and you feel at home. I've heard people lately say, man, I walked in those doors and I just felt at home. That's God speaking to you. This is your home. Get planted. You don't see anything bearing fruit that's not planted. You get in, you get out, you get in, you get out, you get in, you get out. There's nothing wrong with God sending you somewhere else. Listen, sometimes God has to get you out of that small pot to be able to plant you into another place so that you can bloom. And he might do that. And it's important that we follow the voice of God and not our emotions. Because people will make a decision out of emotions. And listen, if God speaks to somebody about being planted somewhere else, and it's not in offense involved, and it's not any of that involved, then this is God's house, not our house. So I want to encourage you, find a place, get planted, feel at home. You'll have peace there. This is biblical. Hebrews 10.25, are y'all with me? Hebrews 10.25, and let us not neglect our meetings together as some people do, but encourage one another as the time comes near. What is God saying? This is biblical. This is saying make your church family a priority. Meet together. This is not like vision of church 54. This is God's vision. He's like, listen, find somebody that you are yoked up with that's going in the same direction that has purpose, that is able to help you. You carry them, they carry you. You're a part of a team. How many of you want to be a part of a team? Man, listen, sometimes when you're a part of a team, you got to go through some hell. But when you come out of it, you win. 
And when you go through hell with each other, there is not a, anybody that's not close when you have gone through hell. When you've gone through hell and you've seen somebody, you're looking at somebody and like they were there in the valley. When they're there in the valley and in the rooftop, you know, keep that person around. Because there are some people that only want to be there when you're in the valley. Watch out for those people. Because they only want to be around when you're low. And there are some people that want to be around only when you're on the rooftop or the mountaintop. Watch out for those people because they only want something from you. Find those that will be in the valley and the rooftop. You're going through something. We look and lock eyes and we say, man, we're here. I'm toe-to-toe, back-to-back. I'm praying for you. If you call me, I'm going to be there. I'm going to pray. I'm going I'm to charge heaven. You know that I'm going to give my all because friendship is sacrifice. Come on, find some people that are going in the same direction that actually believe that they serve a God that is alive and not dead and that he does the same thing that he did 2,000 years ago. Get with somebody that believes if there's a doctor report and you have cancer, someone will come over to you and lay hands on you and begin to declare that you're healed by the blood of Jesus. Get with some people that know how to bring heaven to earth. Come on, and if you're not there yet, hook up with some people that are, and I guarantee you, you'll not only see your life change, you'll see your surroundings change, you'll start to see your city change, because when you have the creator of the universe invade a situation, nothing will ever stay the same. Life comes, restoration comes, it begins to turn, and God wants to turn in your life today. Give God some praise if you believe that. And this is my last point. Can, how, how many of you here will give me uh, five more minutes? Raise your hand. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 40. 45 minutes. Y'all give me 45 minutes. Now I'm going to end in 10 minutes. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. We know this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. God needs to help me with that one sometimes. It keeps no record of wrong. It, doesn't, it rejoices in the truth, not injustice. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures to the end. How many of you know that love is kind? Love is kind. So if we want to build healthy relationships, the Bible says, if you want friends, be friendly. That's kind of self-explanatory. Don't walk around all the time like you just got baptized in vinegar. Jesus was joyful. A sign of the kingdom is joy. It's peace. How many of you know we need to enjoy some relationships? Remember this. If we're going to be kind, think about what you can give and not what you can get. Find some relationships where you're like, I want to give, not get. You know how you know that? Love listens. Love listens. Let's try to listen more than speak all the time. Love believes the best. The Bible says don't be touchy. Don't be touchy. If you're so touchy, you won't build friendships. I know your opinion. You're opinionated. You're very opinionated. Very touchy. Very touchy. Very touchy. But listen, if you're touchy, you won't build relationships. Susie hugged everybody but you, and you're upset. Susie might have had a bad day. We're at our best when we believe the best. 
People are going through things, and we can't be so touchy. Yeah, not everybody's going to measure up to our standard, but how many of you know that God has given us allowance? We should give others allowance. If we want to build relationships, we have to be empathetic and understanding. They might be going through something. Let me put myself in their shoes. How many of you know that love unites? And we're going to close on this. Love unites. Listen to the primary, primary prayer of Jesus before he goes to the cross. Can we just listen to this for a second? This is the primary prayer of Jesus before he goes to the cross. John 17, 21. I pray for them all to be joined together as, even as you and I, the Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you have sent me. Think about this. When we get in relationships, when we are in one mind, in one accord, we begin to demonstrate who Jesus is in the earth. Man, the Bible says when two or more are gathered together, he is in our midst. How awesome is that? That God says when they become one, when they begin to have a friendship, it is actually becoming a billboard for Jesus. People are drawn in to relationships that are unified. That's why I love, there was one time, there was one time I was out to eat with a couple of friends, and man, we were loving God, and we were talking about the things of God, we were laughing, we were cutting, and there was a guy that came over all the way across the restaurant, and he said, hey man, he said, uh, what are y'all on? I was like, what do you mean? He was like, whatever you got, we want some of that. And I'm like, we're not on anything. And we begin to tell him about who, who Jesus is. Did you, never, did you know that he did not know the gospel at all? Let me encourage you. When you're going to the restaurant with a couple of your friends, you're not just carrying your friends, you're carrying Jesus with you. And there's that waitress or that waiter will say, what's up with that person? What would it be like if we knew that our relationships were for a purpose? You know, the Bible says even in Psalms that there, when, when, when we, we join in harmony, there is this actual, there's this, uh, there's this blessing that comes from it. There's this anointing that comes from it. And when we begin to come together and we work in friendships, because it takes time, that God will begin to flow through your life. I love in Acts 2. In Acts 2, the Bible says that they joined together from house to house, enjoying each other and breaking bread, and God added to the church daily. Why did people want to be involved? Because when they were together, having real life together, being vulnerable with each other, being transparent, talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus being the primary focus, the common denominator, people were attracted to them, and God added to his church daily. It wasn't because they were serious. The Bible says they were enjoying each other's company from house to house. That's church. Look at your neighbor and say, that's church. That's why we have these crews. That's why we have these crews. And I'm going to close on this. I'm going to close on this. Trey, Trey had a baby, so I have nobody close me out in, uh, in piano. We are going to close in this right here. And this, this, this is what I want to hit home. Let me ask you a question. Sincerely, what hinders us from loving others? 
what hinders us from loving others? I could bet it could be three things. Number one, you've been hurt before and you've been betrayed. I guarantee you that everybody in this room hasn't been hurt or betrayed before by a friend, by an authority figure, by a spiritual authority figure. And by the way, with that, that is the worst betrayal and abuse. And if that's happened to you, I want to say on behalf of God and the kingdom that I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Because the enemy wants to cause pain so that we withdraw. It could be parents. This is what happens. You get hurt, then you start to get bitter. You get hurt, you have unforgiveness, that unforgiveness is poison and it causes bitterness. And the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that this root of bitterness will actually cause you not to enter into your inheritance. God, how many of you know that the Bible says by his stripes we are healed. We are not the hurt, we are the healed. And I know that it can get hurt and it, it, it can be hard and it could be a process. But I'm here to tell you today that God can get that poison out of you and begin to bring healing in you. And it starts with the grace to forgive. Is there somebody in your life today that you need to forgive? Now, I want to challenge you because forgiveness does not mean it puts you back in the same place in the relationship. Forgiveness does not mean that it puts you back in the same place as a relationship. I, I got a, a text this week uh, from a friend. He said, man, you preached a message in 2016, and it was on forgiveness. And it, I felt so convicted that I talked to my estranged father that I haven't talked to in 25 years. And I asked him to forgive me. And he said, man, I felt such liberty. I didn't, I wasn't able to have the relationship that I wanted, but I actually came into freedom. Listen, you might have to forgive somebody, but don't try to enter into that same kind of relationship. The Bible says, the Bible says that it's good to guard your heart. Are y'all with me today? Now, there are some people you need to forgive and just keep on going where you left off. But if it's something that's unhealthy or toxic, you need to forgive and create boundaries. Listen to this, Romans 12. This is, some of you are not going to like this. Romans 12, and we're ending. You said, you said that five minutes ago. I know. Give me two minutes. Romans 12. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. You want to know if your forgiveness is solidified? If you're willing to bless them when their name is mentioned. I want you to picture something right now. Picture yourself slicing a lemon and it's just got, just got out of the refrigerator. It's got sweat dripping off the lemon. You look at the lemon, you see the, the seeds dripping out of the lemon and you take that lemon and you squeeze it slowly on the top of your tongue and let it drip down to your gums. Some of you are looking at me like this right now. You know that you haven't forgiven the person when their name has been mentioned and your face looks like you just ate a lemon. That's an indicator. 
I want to challenge you to forgive that person. Create whatever boundary God tells you to do, but forgive that person because God forgave us. A lot of times we don't enter relationships, healthy relationships, because there are past relationships that we got hurt in and we did not forgive. The second thing is this is insecurity. We don't enter into relationships because of insecurity. And I want to challenge you because a lot of times insecurity is masked by pride. Many people think that insecurity are those that are just lonely and beat up, but a lot of insecurity is masked by pride. Let me challenge this to you. If you find yourself feeling insecure, ask yourself, how much have I been judgmental to others? Because the Bible says to the measure of judgment that you point to others, the measure of judgment comes on you. And you wonder why you always feel condemned and insecure. Give people allowance and you might come into some security with God. Because love is patient. Make allowance for those. And I'm closing on this one. People are fear of rejection. People are fear of rejection. How many of you know that perfect love casts out fear? God's perfect love casts out fear. See, I want to I encourage you, when you are around people, don't try to impress them. Don't try to impress them. See, we're so scared that people are going to uh, uh, reject us that we want to impress them by who we are and what we do and our pedigree. But I'm here to tell you that we're here to only impress and have the applause of one and his name is Jesus. When you begin to enter God's love, which is actually the presence of God, God is not someone that just loves, God is love. When you enter into his presence, it begins to cause you to not have fear in your life and you don't feel like you have to impress anybody. The temptation of Jesus was this, try to impress in the wilderness. Prove who you are. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to prove anything to anyone when you have the approval of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're a child of God. You can be strong in him in the power of his might. You don't have to prove anything. And so I want to challenge you today. If you want to receive that today, if you can just stand up right where you are because God wants to begin to invade your life. Paul said, listen, the Proverbs says that the opinions of others, the fear of man is a snare. And I believe today you're going to leave out of here, you were the hurt, but now you're the healed. You were the rejected, now you're the accepted. Come on, you were the insecure, now you're the secure. Why? Because you have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you are washed with the blood of Jesus. And when you can look at the lion of the tribe of Judah with boldness, you can look at any man with boldness. You do not have to cower. You do not have to bow down. You got your father, your daddy, the King of Kings, that's got you, protecting you, empowering you. God is going to give you the strength to enter into relationships that push you forward. Come on, if you want to receive that today, just lift your hands if you feel comfortable. You say, why do you lift your hands? This is just a sign of surrender. And I, I want to challenge you today. You know, Jesus took 39 lashes on his back, and the Bible says that the price of that was for our healing. Can you say this after me? As we focus on that in our lives, focus on that where Jesus was whipped on, our back, on his back. He paid a price so that we can be free. Say this after me. Say, because of the blood of Jesus, 
I am the healed. Because of the blood of Jesus, I am the accepted. Because of the blood of Jesus, I am secure. We're going to say it one more time. Because of the blood of Jesus, I am the healed. Because of the blood of Jesus, I am accepted. Because of the blood of Jesus, I am secure. Lord, I thank you that your presence invades our life today, not because of what we did, but because of what you did. I thank you as love comes in, rejection goes out. I thank you that you're going to cause us to be intentional re with relationships. Lord, I thank you that you are the builder of our house, and I thank you, Lord, that you're going to begin to join people together. You're going to begin to start it in our crews. Lord, I pray that when people leave out of here, that they'll join a crew, that they'll get on a team. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are the one that builds this house and I thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus and today if you say you know what this sounds good but I don't even have a relationship with Jesus I'm gonna say a quick prayer with you say this after me say Jesus I ask you to forgive me I believe in you that you died on the cross and that you rose again I ask you to come into my life from this day forward, I make you my Savior and my Lord. With nobody looking around today, this is a very important time. With nobody looking around, if you said that prayer, I'm not going to embarrass you, but can you slip up your hand? Just so I know. I see your hands all over the room, all over the room. God bless you. All over the room. You can put them down. Lord, I thank you for every person that lifted their hands. Lord, I thank you that your word says that one person turns to you, all the heavens rejoice. And Lord, we decide today that we're going to rejoice with you because people have turned and asked you into their life. Root them and ground them in your love. Thank you that today their past is over, your grace is greater, and their future is brighter. Thank you that today they're a new creation. All old things are passed away and all things become new. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe it today, let's celebrate today with Jesus. Come on, if you believe it, give God a shout today.